Welcome everybody, and this time we are going to talk about one of my personal favorite films, and it's probably one of my guests' favorites as well. Um, he can correct me more on that after, but, you know, um, we're talking about Alien, you know, the 1979 film where it possibly started this beautiful thing for sci-fi back in the day. And Doug here, who is a lot more wiser than me, as I may say, can probably just say that he probably seen it in theaters. If not, then uh, we'll just um, figure out when we first got introduced to the film. And we'll just go from there, because this is pretty much just our thoughts of Alien 40 years later. And with me to discuss it is none other than my buddy, who I met way back in the day, uh which was probably a Wednesday, I don't know, or Tuesday. Anyway, this is my good pal, Doug, also known as Guapo. Welcome, Doug. Thank you for joining. Huh. Thank you, Paul. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, thank you for um, joining, man. I mean, I know you're a big fan of the Alien franchise, and we played, like, the Alien Colonial Marines, and then we t talked a little bit about, like, Alien Isolation and stuff like that, so... You know, I figured I would like to have somebody that might have a little bit more knowledge than me, because, of course, like I said, you're a little bit wiser than I am, <laughs> if I may say. But, um, yeah, we'll start in. So, Doug, um, when when was the very first time you got introduced into the 1979 Alien? Uh, my father took me to see it in the theater. Uh, at the time, I would have had to have been... Either uh, seven or eight. Uh, it came out uh, shortly before my eighth birthday, so uh, probably wasn't the best choice uh, to take a young child to. But uh, it, it always stuck in my head, and uh, I guess it—it's definitely my favorite franchise. Uh, it hasn't really seen the—it hasn't always seen the attention as it should have. But uh, I think. It's the first sci-fi movie that I can ever remember where it didn't, you know, doesn't seem fake. Where it's, uh, as you were talking earlier, is it whether or not it uh, it stands up to today's standards? Uh, other than when you're looking at the, you know, Ripley or the the various characters that uh, are on Mother in the little science room or cubicle, I don't know, or not cube, cubicle, but uh, other than when they're typing into the computer and you, you look at that and laugh at uh, how outdated that is, uh, the rest of the movie really stands up. It, it's still, if you replace those scenes with modern, you know, modern computer, you could almost be released today and still be as terrifying and and believable as it was back then. Yeah, I agree, and I want to say I, of course, wasn't born then. I was born in 1987, uh, I believe like a year after Aliens came out, but, um, oh God, I want to say it was like 95, 96 when I probably was introduced to Aliens, so I must have been like eight or nine years old, Um and I just remember kind of being petrified of this alien just because, you know, it's it's 
not one of those things that you were kind of mentioning where a little kid I don't think should really be seen. But then again, when I was um, also around eight years old, I kind of snuck downstairs and kind of watched a little bit of like Bram Stoker's Dracula. But I didn't realize that was the movie until later on as I grew up. So when I rewatched it and saw that specific scene, it reminded me of that time when I snuck downstairs to see it. But yeah, um, I will 100% agree with you, though, that even with the modern technology today, if this film was made in the way it was, I think it could be done. As long as it's not with the CGI aliens, as we kind of seen nowadays. Um, Especially, I don't know if you noticed, Doug, not the turn away from this movie for a minute but just to kind of point it out but did you know that they um, made a practical alien suit for alien covenant but they never actually used it so instead they just went with the whole full-blown cgi uh you know i haven't read much about uh, actually i hadn't read anything about uh, what they did in making prometheus or covenant um i i do remember that the cgi in uh, resurrection was so bo- uh, so bad uh, that it, it really ruined the movie for me. It, it was just it was horrible. It, you know, I know uh, you had uh, the tall, skinny guy in the, in the suit for the first movie, and though having the limitations of the human body mechanics. Uh, you know, they couldn't do the the backwards bending knees that they do now. It, it still it was more realistic looking and it was scarier. Uh, I really felt that you know, resurrection was was laughable, and it just it, you could tell it wasn't real. Yeah, I could never get into the uh, get into the the suspension of disbelief to get scared when it came to that movie. I mean, there are times you get startled, but you're not really, at least for me, I, I was truly never scared. Whereas Alien, Aliens, and Alien 3, I thought were actually scary movies. All the way through, uh, I was able to get into the movie and, you know, have that suspension of disbelief. The CGI, some of the today's CGI is great, but, you know, it. Uh, it, it's it doesn't compare to having that that real object or in that case the, the suit in the filming you're right and another thing that kind of didn't really make any sense with alien resurrection where there's two sides to this but i i don't know i can't really vouch on it especially where the alien killed him but another scene that I will point out with Alien Resurrection is the scene where the Xenomorph killed the guy by his little tongue and he like penetrates him uh, through the top of the head and then he's got like, or the back of the head, but he's got like that couple seconds to actually reach behind him and notice like there's blood and then he falls dead. I mean, there's... The two sides is, well, I guess that makes sense because technically, even when you're decapitated, your head is still active for like 20 seconds or something like that before it actually uh, 
dies or whatever. And then that's one of the argument. The other argument is, well, where he was hit, he should have been done uh, dead instantly anyway. He shouldn't have had time to reach behind his head. So, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I felt it was all, I want to say comical. I mean, not comical, but uh, it, it seemed like more something out of a comic book than out of a horror movie. And uh, I don't know if that was born of the uh, the success of the Dark Horse comics that were going, uh, that were being published in the 90s, or if that was just someone not really having respect for the, the legacy of the, you know, of the franchise and what uh, Ridley Scott and James Cameron had it brought us, and then I believe it was David Fincher that uh, was the original director of Alien 3, though that, uh, I could be wrong on that. I, I didn't, so the original director was fired midway through Alien 3, and, or, or towards the end of Alien 3, and then it was, you know, the theatrical release was a disaster as a result. The, the director's cut is, is great, but uh, I, I think most of the things that had to do with Alien Resurrection just didn't give the the franchise the respect that it deserved and and didn't translate into a scary movie. It, it translated more, of, more into a, a, a farce. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of bumpy road for that film. But to get back on track um, for the original Alien... What what about the atmosphere that Ridley Scott has created with his crew and stuff? Do you feel just being in a ship is more scary versus like um, Covenant where or Prometheus where we're on a different planet and exploring there? Or do you think all the terrors in that one ship actually makes what Alien is is like a great film? Well, it's kind of hard to compare them in a way because they, uh, I mean, they were so it, uh, it definitely was well, I, I think that the the darkened hallways with the, the failing lights and uh, going through the air ducts of the Nostromo was scarier than uh, exploring the the little, I don't know what you call it, a base uh, in Prometheus yeah, we could call it a base for right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure what you should call it or what uh, Ridley Scott just would refer to it as. I I will say I like the fact that it's just one area with the Nostromo ship. I just like it. I find it scarier because for how big the ship is and how many vents and possibilities are for this thing to roam around, especially when um, we see one of the crew members trying to, you know, go down the stairs or I mean, sorry, go down the ladder while investigating this signal, I believe, if memory serves me right, I've completely spaced on watching this movie before talking about it. And, um, you know, we see the alien just pop out to grab 
the guy that is coming down the ladder. And that was, I think, scary as well. And then you got the infamous scene with Brett, Brent, um, with, you know, trying to, yeah, Brett, trying to get the cat. And, you know, we get that cool scene, which that's probably one of my favorites. And I think that's also in the director's cut. I don't even think it's actually in the theoretical. Uh, no, that was that was part of the theatrical. Uh, yeah, where the alien grabbed Brett. There was a uh, a later scene with Brett that uh, was filmed, but wasn't part of the the, the theatrical release. But uh, yes, it's. I, I mean, both of those scenes were terrifying, you know, for different reasons. I mean, one thing you see the the alien sneaking up on Brett. Uh, the other time you, you see the, the panic uh, that that Dallas is experiencing that they when they can't figure out where the alien is in in relation to him, they just know that it's closing the distance uh, to him. And of course, you know, as we know, Dallas went the wrong direction, <laughs> and that was that was his end. But uh, they, yeah, they were. Yeah, I think that uh, that maybe claustrophobic little uh, set you know, with, where there's not not a whole lot of places for anyone to go, certainly nowhere to go to escape from the alien, uh, certainly made it more, made it scarier. Oh, right, right, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that even that Jonesy the Cat is, like, one tough crew member, I will say, when the alien, like, kicked it or whatever, that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking, like, you know, every time I pop in the Alien film, I'm always back enjoying it with, like, almost I just did with my childhood days, like, like, you know, it really does have that creepy atmosphere, especially when we get, I, maybe the first time actually seeing it where he's swinging right above Brett, and, um, you know, that's kind of creepy, just that swinginess, and then, like, I believe we see the other shot, and he's not even there anymore, meaning the Xenomorph, and, um, you know, it's just, I, I don't know, man, I just, it's just one of my favorites, probably because they don't really show the alien that much, it, they keep it a mystery, a mysterious creature that we don't see, and we don't really know what his next move is gonna be compared to what we have nowadays, with like well Prometheus I don't know if we like we we call it an alien film but at the same time it's more of a junk film a lot of there's a lot of people that that uh, bash it and then there's a lot of people that say it's actually not that bad but I see where the people that are bashing it come from because you know there's way too much talking you don't really get to enjoy the environment because of how much like I guess what I mean by that is there's so much dialogue that we can't just look at the surrounding and appreciate the atmosphere that Ridley has created for us for Prometheus. But when it comes to the original Alien, we have so many non-dialogue, like very quiet scenes, especially with Ripley when she's trying to escape and trying to find the other crew members that at least are still alive to try to get them going 
and everything else. And speaking of which, uh, so for back in the day, Doug, when it comes to horror films or sci-fi, I believe Alien was one of those films, too, that actually introduced a female protagonist. Now, when you when you first saw, like, uh, Ellen Ripley or Sigourney Weaver take this role and become that badass, um, do you have any first impressions on her? Did you like her? Um, you know, what did you think about Ellen Ripley? You know, uh, I can't remember how I felt about her back then. You know, again, I was only seven or eight years old. Uh, but looking back at it, I, I would say she is one of the few that is really believable. You know, it, the the way Sigourney played uh, Ripley, the way that uh, the character was written, it, it, she's very believable in everything, in every part of her role. And again, you know, it's it's not too many that I can think of where where I really believe the the actress portraying the, the tough women. And it's not to say there aren't tough women out there. I mean, I've met some. I'm a former Marine. I, I've met uh, female Marines that uh, can be pretty tough. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, a lot of times, these women that are cast in these roles, they, they're just not very believable in the role. And uh, as far as Ellen goes, or well, Sigourney Weaver goes, again, don't really remember how I felt about it in 79, but uh, I remember when I saw Aliens, which uh, ironically is the only one I have not seen in the theater, uh, and, and all the others I actually, other than Alien, all the others I saw on opening day. Uh, but again, Aliens is the only one didn't see in the theater. Uh, so when I finally saw that in 87, I still, you know, I, I remember there believing uh, Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley and believing Ellen Ripley had the, the strength, the, the mental strength to, to be the, that character, to, to survive the situation she was in. I, yeah, I completely agree with what you said, and I, I'm trying to remember, unless I'm getting the two films getting mixed up, I know it was either Alien or Alien when there was a deleted scene that you can see in the director's cut when we're getting talked, or when Sigourney Weaver talking about her daughter, and... I'm I'm trying to remember. Do you remember that scene from Aliens or Aliens? Uh, it's from Aliens. That would have been when she was talking to uh, to uh, Carter Burke, you know, Paul Reiser's character, uh, before they embarked on the the doomed expedition back to LV twenty six, now named Archeron, or, or I think it was Archeron. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. And that's it. Yeah, and then it, it's an interesting scene to see if you watch the the special edition, the director's cut. But that, and along with the scene where she and Hicks exchanged first names, just kind of didn't really fit with the the rest of the movie. 
which so I have always kind of, like I said, I, I thought it was interesting to see the scenes, but I always kind of agreed with the decision to leave them out of the theatrical release. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely think it, sh it, sh it shouldn't have been in the theoretical thing, especially since it wasn't really anything too important and didn't really bring anything to the table at the time. Um, but it does make you wonder, though, like, okay, so she does have a daughter. Where is she? And then we kind of see that with, I first believe it was Alien Isolation, really. But um, we'll talk about that probably in a minute. But, you know, when when watching that one specific scene, especially with Aliens, where Ripley is trying to save Newt, and I... <sighs> I'm drawing a brain fart right now for sure because like I said I kind of wish I watched the movie before this chat but I almost had back in the day I should say like back when I was little I almost saw uh, Stogoni Weaver or um, playing Ellen Ripley not not only believable because she definitely put all of it all of her character into it that's for sure like she she is Ripley and you know, I almost felt she portrayed almost like a mother figure, and maybe that was don't not maybe that was from like I said, aliens. But I don't really remember the first one that well, and I don't really think there was any type of way to signify a mother role in the first film anyway, because it was more like they woke up, this is what was going on. They found out that one of their members was a android. Um, then we get the problem with the face hugger, and then the chest burst scene, and all that stuff, which leads into the whole movie. But um, I guess besides like what you said, uh, you know, like I'll just have to touch on to the fact again that you know there is a lot of people out there that can make a great female protagonist it's just finding that one specific person otherwise if if we get somebody that tries to be something that they're not if that makes sense like they don't seem to be able to be that believable to be that character well that yeah i don't know that uh Back in 79, or I guess it was probably filmed in 78, but back then, I, I don't, I can't think of any female actresses that, that I would have thought could have handled a role like that. And, and again, it's, you're not, not trying to sound sexist at all. Uh, I just, I can't think of any actresses back then that, uh, I really would have bought in the, that sort of a, uh, that sort of a role. And uh, I think Sigourney Weaver did a wonderful job. And she kind of set the bar. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I got asked the question once of if this movie would be made in this modern day, who would be a great uh, Ellen Ripley? And, you know, I really don't know how to even answer that question. There's, there's a lot of good actors nowadays but as for somebody that is trying to be that badass Ellen Ripley 
I, it's really hard for me to even pick somebody. I really don't know who I would even pick nowadays to be Ellen Ripley. Do you have, do, would you know, Doug, do, would, uh, if you got asked that question, like if, if Alien would be in made, like let's just say this year, who would you think would fit Ellen Ripley even today? I I would uh, say I I could never accept anyone other than Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley. I just <laughs> you know even if it was being remade today, I, I know obviously you couldn't have Sigourney Weaver playing the same role. Uh, you expecting to uh, pass uh, herself off uh, forty years younger than she is, uh, but it just it's something that I think Ellen Ripley and Sigourney Weaver. I don't think you could separate them. I just, I there's no, I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. Uh, yeah, exactly, it. exactly. Yeah. So it's, now, to answer your question. It's just, I, I guess, I just, I couldn't answer. I there's no way I could answer that question. I just, yeah, exactly. Never exactly. Another woman playing Ellen Ripley. Uh, it just couldn't happen in my in my mind i would never accept it right right no um that not the i mean that's what i mean like i just don't know who would be an ellen ripley besides the going weaver now is there any problems that you have with the first alien film doug uh The only problem I ever really had with Alien is that I wanted to see more of the abandoned uh, derelict spacecraft. Same problem I had with Aliens. <laughs> I just I just wanted to see more of that. That was just something that just always interested me. And, uh, you know, it was wasn't enough of that derelict spacecraft in the movie. But not not that I really know how we can or really can think of a way to have written it in to make to have more of it. It's just that that's the only thing is I've just always wanted more of that. Now we're talking like even the scene with the engineer on the gun in the middle of the room and stuff like that like that type of scene, especially the underground layer with the eggs, like that type of sort of stuff? Yes. And though they touched upon it, or they just touched upon it, you see a lot in Prometheus. But I guess it came off to me as it's not really being what Ridley would have done if he had more of the ship in in 79 you know prometheus just seemed to kind of go in a different direction than he would have gone in 1979 if he were filming more you know making alien a longer movie true um i guess what they could have done maybe if they thought of it thought about it back then but if they took what they did with prometheus a little bit like maybe some of the engineers that are standing up in that one um hallway i guess or whatever that was supposed to be that section you know what i mean with prometheus 
that one scene with the uh, hallway or whatever with the uh, the engineer that are kind of like lined up, kind of like the knights in shining armor, how they're lined up sometimes in a hallway. Like maybe they could have added that, like as they're walking through to the big room. Maybe um, I don't know. That's where I'm gonna have to bring in the uh, the alien isolation for a minute. Where I kind of like how they did that in Alien Isolation where we actually got to see that ship, that engineer on the gun in the game. I didn't really care for how they did it really with Alien Colonial Marines. It almost seemed like they put way too many of those engineers on the gun in it. But the way Alien Isolation did it, I think was just the right amount. But we saw a little bit more of the ship but I think I go back to you kind of saying there wasn't enough for sure to explore. Yeah, I, I blocked out most of Colonial Marines. <laughs> was, that was probably my most anticipated game and uh, by far my biggest disappointment in gaming. It, it was just such a horrible letdown. It had the opportunity to be so much better than it was uh, which I know could that could be said for a lot of games, but uh, everything about Colonial Marines was just so sloppy. Uh, I, what I remember most about Colonial Marines was that through most of the game, I would just try to run to the next checkpoint, just trying to get through it, because you know, and me being uh, obsessive compulsive with trophies, I needed to have my platinum and 100% on, on PlayStation, uh, but I just wasn't having any fun with that game. Yeah, and... I, I just popped it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I told... I told my fiance one day that like I was like, well, maybe if you really wanted to, I could show you this game. Otherwise, what we could just do is just find a YouTube video, and you could see what the hell I'm talking about when I mean that this game was not what it was made to be. But then again, we can thank Gearbox for that. Because the reason behind it was, I guess, Sega 2 threw Gearbox money, and then Gearbox actually used the money on Borderlands 2 instead of Alien Colonial Marines. And then that kind of started the lawsuit as well when we ended up getting that one uh, trailer and then we ended up getting that gameplay from that E3 and none of that shit was even in the final game. So that's where a lawsuit came into play from somebody. I forget who it was because it's been so long and you know, it's just one of those things where it's just like, like you, you gave us false advertising anyway. So, yeah, I know there's someone I think sued Gearbox and Randy Pitchford, who I believe was in charge of Gearbox uh, over that game. I, I, I don't know what happened with it. I didn't pay much attention to the, the lawsuit. I, I did find it amusing and, uh, I remember the what I had read, and I, and I don't know that this is accurate because you know sometimes so often they put things in print without actually really researching them well. Uh, but the yeah, you know, as as you'd said uh, that it was rumored that Gearbox took the money that Sega gave them to develop Colonial Marines and used that to develop Borderlands Two, as I refer to as Boredomlands Two, and 
then they farmed off the development of Colonial Marines to some other company. But, you know, that's, that I wasn't involved in it, so I can't say for sure that uh, what I, you know, that those rumors were true, but all, all I can say for sure is that Colonial Marines damaged the franchise and uh, you know, certainly did not live up to its expectations or live up to our expectations of it. Yeah, no, I, oh man. I mean, I remember, I kind of remember that when I got it even and I started playing it because I believe I like had the day off or something. Something was going on that day. I think I took it off or something. And uh, I think I even mentioned it to you and our other buddy, Carlo, that like, you know, I didn't, I'm like not really minding the game. I, um, maybe we just because I was just, I was just having fun with it by myself. I wasn't really playing with anybody else, really. So maybe that whole experience of just doing it single player for the campaign and just killing aliens was just in my mind, I, I guess. I don't know. Uh, maybe because of the fact I was like a colonial Marine soldier or something. I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't know what I can say about my my younger self anymore, except for that. I don't know what the hell I was thinking of when I was saying that I didn't mind it, but um, because especially after trying to do the multiplayer crap, that was a pain in the ass, and getting all those stupid in-game, uh, I forget what they were, like in-game whatever, like like you had to do yeah. this, yeah. yeah. Those challenges were... Yeah, so those, those were horrible. You know, any time that you had a a challenge where you had to kill a certain amount of aliens, the you know your uh, the NPC characters would kill too many of them, and you wouldn't be able to get the challenge completed. And then any time that you, they you needed help because the, you needed to get through a section, or you had a challenge where you had to get somewhere. Uh, you know, then they would do nothing. They would stand around and just you basically get in your way. It was yeah. it was horribly crammed. Uh, and I, as for the challenges, well, I, you know, uh, also, you know, my wife was playing the game too, and she just decided she couldn't stand it. So yeah, I, I ended up quit. Yeah, yeah, I ended up doing all of the challenges on my account and on her account to get her the, the platinum trophy. And uh, a lot of the time I wound up basically running two controllers at the same time. You know, I'd drop one, pick up the other, quickly do something, drop the other, or pick up the first one again. And that was also, you know, running from one checkpoint to another when I was doing it in, in you know, co-op. Uh, that's what I do. I basically just run trying to get to the next checkpoint. If I died, I'd pick up the other controller and start running with that one while the first one uh, would uh, respawn. It was just... The concept and the story were good. The execution of the game was horrible. If if we got... Yeah, if we got in what they showed us at that one E three, especially with like 
the uh, the corridors on fire with the alien to I believe it was that encounter with the alien queen. That would have been, I think, more creepier, but I don't know what happened to those scenes so that we ended up getting the crappy rundown version that took how many years? Ten years, I think it was. Uh, I don't remember when it came out, but uh, I seem to remember it being on the cover of uh, Game of Two thousand thirteen, uh, I believe, because and I think it was two thousand fourteen is when we got Alien Isolation. So I want to say two thousand thirteen for Alien Colonial Marines. I'm gonna take a quick. I, know, uh, I think maybe it was two thousand twelve, judging by memory of uh, you know I I know it was I was playing it where I live now, and I moved here November of eleven. Uh, but it seems to me that November of 13 is when uh, when the PS4 came out. And Colonial Marines... Yeah, Colonial Marines uh, was, was out before the PS4 was out. So 13 sounds about right. Yeah, it was February 12, 2013 is what I'm seeing for a release date. Which... Uh, I'm kind of glad that we did get Alien Isolation a year later, that's for sure. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it just wasn't what we should have gotten. And I'm just glad that Alien Isolation gave us, like, that alien feeling, like the movie did. But I know we were playing as Amanda Ripley and stuff. But, uh, Doug, you would know this better than I would, but... um, did the Alien comics come before the movie or after the movie? Did you read them? Did they kind of follow like the movie at all, or did you do you not really uh, re- recall? The, com- the comics came, I believe, in '89. Was when Dark Horse started them. Could have been '90. Uh, I know I was uh, first time I was e- exposed to them was uh, when I was in the Marines, stationed on uh, Camp Pendleton. They actually used Ripley, Hicks, and Newt, uh, because these were before Alien 3 came out. And it was a continuation of of their story through, I think it was a a six-issue series, then a four-issue series, then another four-issue series, which uh, I think was the Alien's Earth War. And it was actually a pretty good storyline, but then, you know, of course, Alien 3 came out, and they killed off Hicks and Newt and Ripley. Uh, so that kind of kind of changed, obviously kind of destroyed that storyline. Though they did get uh, released later as actual, you know, mass market paperbacks, and they just changed the names of... Uh, you Ripley, Hicks, and Newt. And I can't remember what their characters were. Uh, actually, pretty interesting books. It was good storyline, but uh, yeah, it it came. They came out between Aliens and Alien Three, and around the time 
Yeah, actually, I think before Predator 2 also, which, you know, Predator 2, if you remember at the end, does have an alien skull in the trophy case on the little, uh, the little ship. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Um, unfortunately for me, I haven't really been able to find, like, the original comics except for... I think it would be the original black and white aliens comics. I think is the one I have. I, I know they uh, threw it all together into a big like hardcover book, though, and I ended up getting that. I recently uh, read the uh, what did they call it? Uh, is it William Gibson? Is that was that his name? The the guy that did that was gonna do the original um, Alien Three, I it was William something I believe. Uh, I'm trying to look real quick because I don't want to butcher his name. Yep, William Gibson's uh, William Gibson's Alien Three, the unscri- the unused script of Alien Three. They turned that into a a comic book series, and I just recently got my hands on issues three, four, and five on Amazon, and that's actually really, really cool. I don't know if you've gotten a chance, Doug, to read them, but they might be up your alley. Like, it's what the original idea before we got what we see for Alien 3 nowadays. Back in 2001, I think it was, I downloaded about three unused scripts for Alien 3 and read them all, uh, but they... They kind of blurred together. I, I mean, I at this point, I, I don't remember a whole lot about any of them. Uh, I, I remember one of them seemed to take place on a planet of made of wood, uh, which yeah, you know, my memory could be really wrong on that. But would again, that be the engineer planet? Again, would that the engineer planet or the other planet? Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with the engineers. But uh, I, thought again, I, I thought I read somewhere that they might have tried to do that. Maybe I'm thinking of a, a different movie. It, you know, again, this was in two, this was like 18 years ago, so my memory's a little rusty on that. Uh, but while we are talking, I did pull out uh, my Dark Horse comics, which were semi-handy because I'm tempted to put them up on eBay. Uh, the Aliens 1 of 6, so the, the first one, was 1988. And then uh, yeah, they may have... It may have shown up in uh, Dark Horse Presents as early as 87, but that was probably also just earlier 1988. And then there was one comic... Uh, called Videodrome, I think, that did have the Alien Queen in it as... I think it had something to do with uh, you know, things coming to life through a TV. Right. And Alien Queen on the cover of that comic. And I think that was really the first time they were ever in you know, modern comics. But you know, the Dark Horse ones are really considered to be the you know, the only thing that actually kind of follows along with the universe. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there's so many different, uh, I'll just say, universes now when it comes to the alien universe that, you know, it's hard to even dive into a big timeline, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, there's just so much thing going on. Like, the latest alien comic were Dead Orbit, then it went into, like, Dust to Dust, then it went into, like, Defiance, now it's going into, like... Uh, resistance, and then the new one that's coming out that's going to be bringing Amanda Ripley back into the story is like Aliens Rescue or The Rescue or something like that. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of Aliens comics, and I mean, at least the, the comics are doing good compared to what the movies are doing. And, I mean, I think that's why Alien... 40 years later is still one of my top favorites just because it's just so well done and it's it's just very dark creepy and it makes the alien that scary because we just don't really see it and when we do see it it's that it's really quick and it's you know we just don't know where it could be on a ship and yeah the aliens are about the only thing that can draw me out uh, to opening day of a movie. And at this point, I've, I've gotten to the point where I don't want to deal with the crowds. I'll wait several weeks till people are not in the theater and I don't have to deal with people on their cell phones and talking to the movie where I, my wife and I can basically be the only two in the theater. Uh, but when it comes to aliens, you know, that's definitely, I, I have be their opening. Usually, I, I catch catch the midnight show. I did that with uh, actually I did that with Alien versus Predator, uh, the first one. Then uh, also Prometheus and Covenant. Uh, caught both those at the midnight showing. Uh, I believe the Predator. We saw that uh, at the midnight showing too. Also, Predators at the midnight showing. But, uh, I think the rest of the, you know, uh, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, and, uh, Alien vs. Predator 2, I just saw on opening day, but wasn't actually there at the midnight showing. But, uh, yeah, it is, as far as anything else goes, uh, you can't draw me out to deal with the crowds to be there at opening night, but Aliens, I, I, I can't miss it. I just, I have to see it immediately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen, of course, because of, you know, my age and stuff, I never really got to see 1, 2, 3, or Resurrection in theaters, but I did see AVP, AVP Requiem, and Covenant in theaters. I never actually saw Prometheus in theaters, and it's probably because I didn't, really know or hear that Prometheus was actually an alien film, but then again, I don't really have cable, so I was relying on horror websites, really, and I don't know, I don't really re know why I never went to go see Prometheus in theaters, so I ended up having to see it on DVDs, so that's how I was introduced to Prometheus, but even... Even though I didn't see it in theaters, I probably will see the other Alien films if there is any 
others because I know with Disney owning the franchise now, I know they say they're continuing to want to put out stuff for the Alien franchise, but I also hear we might not see another movie. Instead, we might just see a TV series. So I don't know if you heard anything about that, Doug, but I I don't know. I don't really know what they could really do for a TV series, but maybe they could pull it off. I, I would think it'd be pretty hard. I certainly would give it a shot, but uh, yeah, I think it would be kind of hard to keep that story going. Certainly hard to keep the suspense going, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't know that I trust Disney to handle something as uh, as adult as the Alien franchise. It's, we're not talking Snow White here. <laughs> well, you know, so does, that, so, Doug, so does that mean the Alien Queen is now a Disney princess? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe well, you'll end up seeing the queen walking around with uh, you know, one of the other queens from the uh, you know at Disney, you know, Disney World and Disneyland with some of the other the cartoon queens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I um, when I saw that the um, alien queen is now Disney princess, I kind of chuckled because the drawing somebody made had like one of those princess crowns on her head and she was like wearing a dress or something so I'm like oh no <laughs> and I'm just like oh god this is too funny but I don't know I don't really know what Disney can do especially since we all know Disney is dark with just like weird hidden messages but I don't think we've actually seen like a actual sci-fi horror film straight from Disney though. So this is definitely going to be a interesting ride for sure. And I, like you said, I don't know how they're going to be able to keep the suspension everything. So I, but I'll give it a shot for sure. But anyway, um, yeah. you can always go back and replay isolation because, even my third time through, uh, isolation was still, you know, or, or playing it the, the uh, playing it when I played the Japanese version, it, it still had a uh, you know, a lot of sense of suspense and dread. Uh, but actually, when I played it the first time on PS4, I actually found my chest was hurting by the time I would stop playing for the night. Because it, it was that it was that much suspense and that much dread, and, and I was actually scared while playing that game. Uh, and I actually had to take a I think I took a two week break before I started playing it on PS3 because I still I had to play it again, and uh, it, I still had that uh, a lot of that same experience when I played it again a couple years later when I found out that the there was a separate trophy list uh, in a uh, Japanese version. So I said, Hey, I'll go play it again. Uh, <laughs> though it was a little, of course you was did. a little less. Yeah. It wasn't quite as scary because you know, there was the whole, uh, 
you know, screwing around trying to uh, use the, the Google Translate on my phone to translate the menus so I could figure out what I was trying to do. So that, that did kind of take me out of the game and, and give, my, uh, yeah, give my heart a little rest from the, the adrenaline and the terror. But uh, it's still, yeah, anytime that you want the, the terror of uh, Alien, uh, I would say I, Alien Isolation is probably the game to play. Then as, as far as the movies go, uh, I despised the third movie when I first saw it. And I still, to this day, will say that the theatrical release of Alien 3 was garbage. Uh, not as bad as, as Alien Resurrection. Uh, but the director's cut that puts all of those scenes back in, all of the stuff that was cut out right before release, you know, filling in all the, the holes and, and explaining, you know, the disappearance of several characters, uh, that... I think is also a very scary movie. And that's oh, another yeah. one. For anyone that's only seen the theatrical release of Alien 3, I, I say watch Alien, Alien again, then watch the director's cut of uh, Alien 3. And you'll find that one to be much better and pretty scary. I will back that up and say... Yes, I 100% agree with what Doug just said. And usually what I even say is, if you're going to just watch the franchise in gen general, I would just stick with anything of the director's cut, just because you may miss something that you would like to have known that they've taken out. Like I said, though, about, well, as me and Doug were talking about with that one particular scene with Ripley, we were talking about her daughter. Um, trying to figure out where she is and stuff. Um, cause I think at the scene even said like, like they went out in space looking for her or something. No, wait. Yeah. They, that she was, um, and like she was going to go and explore space too, because that's like what her mother did. So it like, it, what's that word? It influenced her to like do what her mother doing sort of deal before, Amanda Ripley wanted to go and look for her mom. Like, I mean, it was cool to know that, and I guess it helped, especially if you're going to go into, like, Alien Isolation or any of the comic that help that mention Amanda Ripley. And there's a couple comics now that actually do tend to continue her story. Which, by the way, Doug, before, um, before I end this, too... And I, I, even though I want to maybe save some of this too for when I do my Alien Isolation fifth anniversary episode in October, but um, or for October, but did just out of curiosity, did you actually see the digital miniseries, the seven episode that they did for Alien Isolation? Did you see that? No, I I heard a little bit about it, but. Uh... I tend to try to hit YouTube and Facebook and Instagram as little as possible. So uh, I admittedly do miss out on some things. And, and one of these days I will dig that up on YouTube. But uh, I have not as of yet seen it, though I, I have heard from a couple sources that it was very good. It's not bad. It's more of... Um... 
it's like you're really not missing much, Doug. Like there's, there's, it's really weird. Like there's parts from Alien Isolation game. There's like this weird animation from the game, but they try to make it like a third person thing. And um, then there's just you know, if you remember the ending of Alien Isolation, we get to see that too. Like Amanda's experiences and what she was facing when she was um in orbit so there's that for you but anyway um to wrap this up i guess i will say happy anniversary to alien it's still one of my favorites even to this day i've just hope that nobody remakes it I don't think anybody will, but with the way some films are being remade nowadays, it's just, I just don't see anybody like we were stating before. I don't see anybody being able to portray Ellen Ripley as good as Sigourney Weaver did. I just don't see it happening. So if they're going to ever try to remake it, maybe they should just create a whole new timeline. And I, as for, I, oh, go for it. Go for it. I was just to say that, you know, I would throw in there that there's no reason to remake or reboot. We still have, you, there's still a gap between Alien Covenant and Alien. And there, there's still, you know, there's, I, I know uh, Ridley Scott, is, is, I've heard two things that he initially wanted a four, uh, three movies, then four movies, and back to three movies that would you know, be that would fill it, you know, be prequels to Alien. So, I mean, there's still at least one movie needed to tie in those two movies to, to fill that gap. Or two movies, great. Uh, and then there is still work that could be done just, ex just continuing the storyline after the events of uh, Alien Resurrection. Or I know there was talk of just ignoring Alien Resurrection and uh, even Alien 3 and doing a movie to take place right after Aliens, uh, which, you know, I, I don't know about that. And of course, I do wish Alien Resurrection was never filmed. But, uh, you know, right now it's a, it shouldn't be rebooted. It shouldn't be refilmed. Finish up what we have. It then... If you feel the need to reboot, then Disney go ahead and reboot it, refilm it. But let's at least finish what we've got. Fill in that big gap between uh, Alien Covenant and uh, Alien. Yeah, I think if anything, Ridley Scott just needs to do one last film, which supposedly called like Alien The Awakening or some weird thing like that. But the only other weird thing that I heard about this last film for his trilogy to help tie in the Covenant and Alien is that they're going back to Prometheus ways, which is they don't really have an alien in it. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. So yeah. I just hope that we can at least just finish it. So that way we can at least compare all three films into one, I guess. And then we can really decide whether or not, it works or doesn't work, I think. And um, 
I did hear something about also Doug that they want to somehow bring Newt back and Alan Ripley, of course, and then they want to also bring back uh, Hicks. What the hell is his name? Yeah, Hicks. Yeah, Hicks. Yeah, and then wasn't there somebody else though besides Hex? Uh, there was, there was talk. I think it was Neil. Uh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Uh, Bocamp, Blowcamp, Camp, something like that. Uh, I apologize to his fans and him. Blowcamp, Camp? Yeah. Uh, but there was talk that he was going to be doing a movie that was supposed to take place immediately after Aliens. And was either going to ignore Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection as if they never happened, or it was going to be something that you, where they, you again, takes place right after Aliens, and then it would end with them, you know, still, you know, back uh, asleep on the Sulaco and, you know, leaving Alien 3 intact, just basically, again, sliding a movie in, in the middle there. I'm not sure how well that would have worked, but uh, ignoring it, they, they could have gone done a lot of stuff. Uh, there was also something uh, Bill Paxton said that uh, he would be happy to uh, you know, uh, come back as Hudson, though that would have been pretty hard to do. But we never did see Hudson die in Aliens. We just saw him uh, being abducted or captured or taken. Uh, and then the assumption is when the when the reactor blew, he was killed, but again, we didn't see it. So, you know, they, they could have come up with any number of, uh, reasons for him not to have been in the reactor and killed when it, uh, when it went nu nuclear. Uh, but yeah, you know, that, you know, uh, last I heard, uh, that, uh, probably a year or so ago is that it was shelved and probably a dead project. Yep. Same, I heard that too, which was supposed to be like Alien 5 or something. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I, like I said, they're, they're just, they just should just create a whole new storyline, a whole new universe within the Alien universe, and just go create another story from there. Maybe not the same thing, but... Even take, like, maybe one of the old comics or one of the modern comics and turn it into a film or something or, like, a TV series or even a short film because there's a lot of alien shorts now, uh, whether it be fan-made or not. Uh, well, fan-made mostly, but, um, you know, even, like, the fan-made film that I've seen recently, they're, they're phenomenal. I can't believe it. And... You know, I think that's what we're missing. I think if if Disney were to hire fans, they could probably create a better movie than what we've been having with Prometheus and Covenant, to be honest. But I guess my final thoughts on this is just that I just hope we don't see the movie ever be remade. And that I can't wait for another, I guess, 10 years of Alien, because I just don't see it ever dying in popularity, just because it's just that good. 
yeah, I can't think of any other 40 year old film that, uh, I think really holds up the same, at least sci-fi wise. I mean, as much as I love Star Wars, you go and watch, you rewatch Star Wars, you know, New Hope, and it just, there are so many things about it that just don't really hold up, that they come off as kind of campy now. Uh, it's, again, still love the film, but, you know, there's so many parts of it don't hold up anymore. But you, again, uh, as I said earlier, what Alien, the only things I think don't hold up are really when you're seeing them work with the computers. And that's yeah. the only thing where you just, <laughs> anytime you're seeing showing the computers from that far, you know, from 40 years ago, you, you know, knowing what we know about computers now, it just, that stuff doesn't hold up. Right. Oh, I don't even think I even mentioned it. So back for one last thing. Um, I know you mentioned it, Doug. I don't think I even got around to it. But when you were mentioning what your problem was with Alien, I think there were, the only problem that I had with, with the film was there were some sections, I think, that were a little bit too dark. And that's about it. But unless that was supposed to be the idea, I mean, eh, I don't know. I just felt there was a couple scenes that felt a little bit too dark, but... There's supposed to be a lot of... I, I think it was you mentioned at one point that uh, there there were so many power outages from uh, the one of the intakes taking in too much dust and damaging the engines of the electrical system when they were landing. And uh, that's why there were so many... When they took off, they hadn't repaired everything yet. They just wanted to get... Right take off, get back into into sleep, and you headed home. And that left a lot of sections dark, and which, oh, if it wasn't so dark, it wouldn't have been so scary. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I just was thinking, though, like, like, you know, if they were trying to make us to see something, though, versus, like, the weird power outage that was going on or the the live wires that were swinging around maybe maybe I was just too picky on that part but that but the widening was just the only really nick pick that I had otherwise it was good it was the atmosphere that I think most horror films nowadays when it comes to sci-fi or even horror really when it comes to like a creature or monster movie it kind of doesn't have that atmosphere like alien does and like with that dark atmosphere where it's hiding in the shadows or or this area is so dark that we should be afraid of it because we don't know what is working in in that dark area and then we get like uh covenant where now we see the alien in daylight uh now and stuff so it doesn't really make it creepier it just shows us though that they can get piss i guess <laughs> and they will jump on your ship and try to bash in the uh the ship she uh cover just to try to get you but other than that well, oh at least that, that was better than the diet pepsi commercials with michael j fox and the alien oh, geez, back um, 92 uh, that that really kind of made the uh it made it hard to be scared of the alien when you you see it's all in, all it's interested in is drinking a diet Pepsi. <laughs> I need to look up this co this commercial now. I need to see this. <laughs> oh yeah, wow! I, I wish just, uh, 
some sort of a fever dream, but no, it, it, it happened. Oh, wow. Wow. On that note, uh, Doug, thank you so much for talking, and we'll have to have you on again to maybe talk about the other Alien films, if you'd like, and then, because it's always good to get some more inputs, and I know you love the franchise as much as I do, if not a little bit more, and uh, we can even talk about the shitty Colonial Marine that I know we try to avoid, but I just think it'd be interesting to talk about, just because... It's just one of those games where it's just like, there was some interesting things in it, but really the downfall was just the budget and what we actually got for the final product. But then when we come to Alien Isolation, that game is just going to be so fun to talk about because that is the game of the year, the game that makes the alien scary again. But... Yeah, but until then, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I was talking with Doug. And um, sorry that we probably should have talked more about something else. And oh my God, you know what? We're not done yet. (laughs) I just realized (laughs) I'm forgetting one important thing. And that is the Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack. I fucking love that soundtrack. and. I'm so glad that they did a limited release run of the complete soundtrack on vinyl and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, everybody should know that I'm a very big soundtrack fan. And you're damn right that I do have that limited edition complete vinyl and stuff like that. And I actually own all the soundtracks for the Alien for films and the Predator and Prometheus and Covenant. So, yeah, yeah, you could say I'm a little bit of a soundtrack whore. That's fine. But, Doug, um, th- what about you? Did you like the uh, the soundtrack at all? Uh, you know, I'm having trouble hearing it, you know, in my memory. Uh, I did I do think that it certainly did help give us the atmosphere that was necessary to make the film so successful and so terrifying. Uh, but I, I did have the Aliens soundtrack on cassette, but uh, I, I never had uh, any of the other ones. And so, as like I said, I, I can't, I can't really hear it, picture it, but. Uh, I can, I can just kind of remember my impressions there that it did help bring that atmosphere. It did without, you know, without that, it wouldn't have been as as terrifying as it was, which obviously what was needed to make it such a successful, uh, you know, start from of a successful series. Yeah, it it really did bring the atmosphere to life, and I'm just glad that Jerry Goldsmith was able to create the film for the or the music for the film, I should say. And it's just he, it's his soundtrack is definitely going to live on. Jerry Goldsmith is just going to live on anyway. I mean, he's done some incredible work for like Poltergeist, a lot of good movies. I can't even name all of them right now, but the biggest one is definitely Alien. For 1979 and the original Poltergeist. So, 
it's he. I don't. I don't know. I mean, he he just knows how to create the right music for the atmosphere. The atmosphere to give us that that good way of bringing the scene to life. And on that note, I think that's it. Finally, um, so if anybody can hear this message, there's nobody left on this ship. And I am Podolsky with my friend Doug, and Doug and I are signing off. <laughs>